Lord, I thank you this morning for the name that is above every name, that when that name is spoken, Father, in heaven, on earth and under the earth, every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so, Lord, we speak that this morning as a confession of our faith. Jesus is Lord. The enemy has no place here. He has no place in our lives, and we give him no place. Therefore, he is bound away from us in Jesus' name. Lord, you rebuke him, and you destroy him. And Lord, we bless you. Now we ask you, Father, that your word might go forth. I pray, Lord, that you will give me the ability to communicate clearly. Give me the ability, Lord, to encourage. Give me the ability to help fortify. Give me the ability, Lord, to challenge. Uh, Lord, I pray now that your word would accomplish all that you have sent it to do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in a, a series that we've been doing for the last several weeks, and uh, it's called Kingdom Culture. It's a life worth living. And what we're doing is we're learning about the, the culture of the kingdom of God. Uh, there's a lot of teaching out there today about the kingdom of God. There's a lot of, of dispute on when the kingdom begins, what the kingdom is about. But we're simply going back to Scripture, and we're just looking at Jesus. Jesus is the king, and Jesus came to show us what the kingdom was about. He came to explain what it looks like to be a citizen of the kingdom. Uh, he, he came preaching uh, the, the gospel of the kingdom. His, his very first sermon that, uh, that we have uh, recorded, in a sense, it, it, his message was just simply put, repent. In other words, change the way that you believe. Change the way that you think. Think like me. That's what Jesus was saying. I want you to think like God thinks. The kingdom of God is at hand. And so Jesus began to teach and he began to preach. And so we've been looking at what the kingdom is. We, we've spent a, a Sunday looking at the kingdom of God a little bit and kind of introducing it. We've looked at the fact that, that God only relates as king. He relates to us as human beings through covenant. That is, covenant is an agreement that the king makes with the citizens of a kingdom. The king agrees to do certain things. The citizens agree to do certain things. And when those, when the citizens do what they're supposed to do, when they keep their, their covenant, then God always keeps his covenant. He never breaks covenant. He blesses his kingdom. He provides protection for them. He provides provisions for them. He takes care of them. And so we looked at the covenant and how important the covenant is. And then we, we've begun to look at the kingdom culture because if, if we don't understand the culture of the kingdom, then we as citizens won't know how to behave. We won't know how to act. If you came to me this morning and you asked me to teach you how to use a computer, uh, I know I can hear some of you already laughing already, but I could teach you what I know, but it wouldn't take me very long. I could show you how to do a few things that I've learned by trial and error. I could share with you some amazing things and, and some mind-boggling things that your computer will probably do, but the reality of it is I couldn't show you how to do it. I could just tell you about it in a generic way. I can't show you. I don't possess the, 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 the computer 
uh, knowledge. I don't com uh, possess the, the understanding of technology when it comes to computers. I don't understand the language, the program languages that computers use. I don't understand the basics. Everything that I've learned about computers, I have learned on my own. I've either experimented, hunted, and pecked, or I've seen someone show me. They, they've given me a, an illustration, and I have followed them. Now, to put it bl bluntly, uh, probably a, a four- or five-year-old could outdo me on a computer. But if you came to me, I could tell you what I know, and that's all I can tell you. I, 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 I can't tell you anything else. I, I, I can't uh, lead you into the, to the, the, uh, the understanding of it uh, because I don't fully understand it. And, and because of that, my ability to kind of fully integrate the capabilities of a computer into my everyday lifestyle are limited. Uh, many of you are, are going online, and, and, I, and I can order things online, but still trying to figure out the Walmart thing, still trying to figure out some other things. Uh, if my Wi-Fi doesn't come up, uh, I want to fix it by banging my computer on the table. I know that's not right, but, but I get frustrated about it because I struggle to live in a computer age. I struggle to live in, in the 21st century because I don't fully understand it. I can get by, and I know enough just to barely get by. Now you say, Nelson, why'd you tell us all that? Because sadly, when we begin to talk about the kingdom culture, the kingdom of heaven, the culture of heaven, uh, and, and we begin to talk about transforming the culture around us into the culture of the king, most of us don't have a, lot, a great deal of knowledge or, or we really have no clue what to do next because we don't really understand what the culture of heaven looks like. None of us have ever visited there. None of us have ever been there. So we are limited in our understanding and we're even more limited because we've not really listened to what Jesus was saying. Sadly, when we, we begin to, to talk about the the heaven, the reality of it is most of us know very little about heaven. Now think about it with me for a minute. Now I'm talking about the place of heaven. I'm talking about a literal location. We have some information, but we don't really have a great deal of information. And the language that the writers of Scripture use to describe this place called heaven is, is highly descriptive. It, it's filled with with uh, uh, illustrative uh, parts of speech, metaphors and similes is what we would call it in English. Uh, the writers, as they begin to describe what they're seeing, they use words like as or like. And whenever you read like or as before a description, you, you, have, to, uh, you have to remind yourself that I'm about to get a descriptive uh, uh, understanding of what this literal thing is. In other words, this person's about to describe it because they don't have words. There are no words in, in language that adequately describe it. So they describe it with pictures of things that are, are beyond beauty or beyond value. They use terms like streets of gold. Or they use phrases like streets of gold or, uh, or uh, uh, pearly gates or or. If you live in this part of the world and, and or you love the King James, when it, when it talks about uh, uh, places, dwelling places in heaven, it, 
it, it talks about mansions. So when most of us, when we think about heaven, we think about streets of gold, gates of pearls, and mansions scattered on hillsides. And, if, and like I said, if you live in this part of the world, then most of, of those mansions are those big, white, southern mansions that we're so familiar with. The problem is, is those descriptions are just human efforts to describe something that's indescribable, that's beyond our ability to understand, to fully grasp. It is they're not just beautiful, but they're so beautiful there are no words to describe it. And that's that's what the writers of scripture do. Now, we bring that back to transforming culture and understanding the culture of heaven. Those descriptions are not very they encourage us and they're meant to encourage us as believers, but they're hard to to translate into the language of somebody who knows nothing about Jesus Christ or who knows nothing about heaven. They're hard to, to, to be used as uh, culture transformers. So none of us, because we've never been there, we've, none of us have ever been there, we can't adequately describe it. And so uh, the information we have is not quite enough to help us. And therefore, most of us are not engaged in cultural transformation we're, 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 because we don't have a real clue of what the culture of heaven is really like. We, we have an idea, just a rough idea, of the place and what it looks like, but we don't understand enough about it to talk about the culture of it. And one of those reasons is, is because heaven is not only a place. Most of us, when we think in terms of heaven, we think of a place, we think of a destination. And listen to me, I want you to hear me very clearly this morning. Heaven is a place, it's a literal place. Don't, don't mistake me. Let me say it again. Heaven is a literal place. But heaven is only heaven because Jesus Christ, who is God, is there. Heaven is wherever Jesus is. Jesus carries heaven with him. Heaven is a place. It's a place that, that he's, he's, he's building each of us a, a dwelling place in. But it's heaven because of Jesus. Without God, without Jesus, heaven as a place would not exist. Wherever Jesus is, heaven is. Now listen, I want you to listen to me very closely. I can't tell you what heaven is like. I can't describe it. I've never been there. I can only tell you what someone has told me, what I've read in scripture, and I believe scripture is true, so I believe that's an adequate description but it's a, a highly illustrative description. I can't actually tell you what it's like, but I can tell you why it's like the way it is. And that's because God is there. His manifest presence dwells in heaven. And it's beyond description. It's, it's beyond what any of us can think about. It, it, Almighty God is there. It, uh, the visible heaven is a literal illustration, I believe, of God's characteristics, his attributes, his, his, his personhood, his thoughts, who he is. And therefore, for you and me to really understand heaven and to get a better picture of it and to imagine it in a, in a real incredible way and be able to share the truth of who God is, is, is and, and especially to be able to share this kingdom culture, we have to understand who God is. 
and why God thinks like God thinks and why God acts and how God acts. If I don't grasp the basics, how can I disciple someone else into what I myself am being discipled into? I have to get the basics. It's just like a computer. You have to understand some basic knowledge of you have to know how to turn it on. You have to know which which to what to click on and what button to mash and and you have to know some shortcuts to to get around. If I don't understand that, I can't use the computer. And if I don't understand the basics about God, I don't understand how he thinks and, and how he acts, then I'm not going to be able to, to access very much, and I'm sure not going to be able to lead anybody else into an understanding of the culture of heaven. Therefore, I can't transform the culture around me because the culture in me is not being transformed. Listen, the culture of heaven is not do as I think. It's do as God does. Do and think like God thinks. Talk like God talks. Act like God would act. Act like God uh, would do. Do like he does. Now, I can hear some of you thinking right now. now. I don't have extrasensory perception. I just think like this myself sometimes. Well, that's not possible. I can't think like God because I'm not God. And I can't be God. You can't be. I want you to hear me. You cannot be God. You are not a God. You can't be God, and, and, and you will never be God, but you can think like God thinks. Well, maybe you're thinking, well, I don't think like God, and the reason I don't think like God because it's my own, it's beyond my ability. It's beyond what I was, I'm supposed to do. I, listen, you don't understand me, preacher. I'm a created being, and I'm a fallen one at that. Listen, I am just a sinner saved by grace. Listen, the truth is you are a created being. And if you know Jesus Christ this morning as your Savior and your Lord, fallen is your past. It's not your present, and it's not your future. And that sinner saved by grace thing, I'm really familiar with, but the reality of that phrase was for just a moment. Let me explain what I mean. You were a sinner, but at the moment you were saved by grace, a sinner saved by grace disappeared just like that. And you went from being a sinner who was saved by grace to what Scripture would call a holy one or a saint. That's, what, that's the word that Paul uses when he writes to the churches of the New Testament. Very often he'll begin his, his, his letters to, to a different church and he'll say to the saints who are at, at Philippi, to the saints who are at Corinth. He's writing to the holy ones. Uh, a, a saint is someone who has been set apart and declared righteous by Jesus Christ. A saint is not somebody who does good things. We become holy ones because God has done a good thing in us. He's taken our sin, and he's given us the righteousness of Jesus. We have been made righteous. And so you're not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner who was saved by grace. Otherwise, what Paul talks about when he talks about us once we're coming once we come to Jesus and being transformed by Christ he says this in 2 Corinthians 5:17 he says we were transformed into a new creature the old thing passed away behold new things have come 
Therefore, if, if you and I are going to, to think and we're going to act and we're going to talk and we're going to do as God does, then we've got to import that understanding into our lives before we can export that out to the culture around us. We have to import it. We have to, we have to immerse ourselves uh, in God until I get God not just on me, but in me. My, my dad used to have a, a saying. He, whenever he'd catch uh, my brother and I uh, playing in the mud or something, he'd say, he'd say stop wallowing in that mud. The reality is, I want to use that word, I want to lift that word wallow. We need to wallow in a sense. Roll around and around, not till we get God on us like mud, but until we, we, we drive that knowledge of God, it becomes an internal thing. We internalize it. And so that we don't just have God on us, we've got God in us, the knowledge of God. We have the Holy Spirit in us. If you're a believer this morning, you have the Holy Spirit in you, but you need wisdom. You need understanding. Your mind needs to be uh, renewed daily. And so that's the process we're walking through as, as, as God is making us holy, as he's changing the way we think. And so we have to change the way we think. That's why Jesus preached, repent, change the way you think and return to me and think like I think. That's what he was saying as he preached. So we have to, we have to get that image of who God is and we have to get that understanding of how God acts and what God says so deep within us so that we have something to export out of us that will transform people's lives. It's the knowledge of God. It's the testimony that God gives us. But for most of us, we don't think that way. We think the wrong way, so we need to change the way we, we think. Listen, if I don't have a real understanding of who God is or what God wants, I can't export anything to somebody else until it exists in me, until it's been imported into me. I can't change the culture around me until I understand the culture of the king who resides in me. And most of us don't fully understand. And by that, I, listen, God is, is beyond our complete knowing. We will never know everything about God, but what God has revealed according to Scripture belongs to me and to my children and my children's children. And God has revealed who he is and what he, he, he thinks like and how he acts. He's shown us those things in the Word, and so we've got to import those the, the Word, the truth in us. It's the truth that sets us free. And you know what it sets us free from? It sets us free from wrong thinking. That's one of the things it sets us free from. And so we, have an, we would have an impossible task of knowing God except for one thing, and that's Jesus Christ. You may be thinking, well, what in the world do you mean by that? Well, listen to, to what John says about Jesus. And if you've been... Uh, if you're part of the Eagles Wing family, you've heard me use this, this passage over and over and over. And I, I want to use it one more time this morning, and I promise you in the future I'll use it again because it is a very powerful passage, and it, it just plainly says what I'm trying to say. Uh, it, it, John writes this. He says, no man has seen God at any time. In other words, God, we know that God the Father is spirit and that, that no man has ever seen God 
God in spirit, face to face. But then it says this. John says, the only begotten God, the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, who's in the heart of the Father. Listen to what John's saying here. Nobody has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son, who is God, who is in the heart of, the, of God, he has explained him. Literally, you, you could take that. He, he, he's saying that, that Jesus is the heart of God fully realized. He, he's put on display and he's saying no one has explained him, but Jesus has. Jesus has explained him. And that word explain there is, is a word that, uh, that every pastor knows, every Bible student knows. It's the word exegete. And that word exegete means to, to take scripture and to break it down in parts so that you understand the whole by looking at the parts. Jesus came to exegete God the Father to us by breaking him down in parts, by showing him, showing us how God would act if he were in this situation or that situation or if he were confronted by this or confronted by that or, or if he was answering this question or that question or if he met a sick person or a blind person or a deaf person or a demonized person. If a storm came up unexpectedly and threatened to destroy, then, then this is how God would respond. Jesus showed us all of those things. In other words, Jesus fleshed out the heart of God. So when we look at Jesus... We are looking at God. We don't have to wonder what God thinks. We don't want to have to wonder how God would act in this situation. Jesus showed us, and it's recorded for us in Scripture for anybody that wants to, to actually read it. And so if we, we, we look at this, Jesus pulls back the curtains, and what he does is he reveals God not in some fuzzy uh, foggy way. No, he he reveals God in high definition. I mean, it, it's kind of, in a, in, a, in a way, it's like uh, our new flat screen TVs. They just continue to get uh, better and better and better, and the definition uh, in 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 the image gets clearer and clearer. I mean, literally, you can you can see the pores in people's faces on some of these 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 TVs. Jesus gave us a high-definition picture so that when we, it was so high-def that when we looked at Jesus, we were looking at God. We were looking uh, as though it was a mirror image. Jesus is God. Don't, don't, don't let me confuse you. Jesus is God. So as we looked into the image of Jesus, we're seeing God the Father in Jesus. We're looking eyeball to eyeball with the King of glory who is in heaven. Too many of us have tried to tell other people about something that somebody else has told us. We've taken information that has been given to us that was given to somebody else and given to somebody else. Instead of taking a long, deep look at Jesus for ourselves in the pages of Scripture, Instead of, of, of walking with Jesus day by day through what he's doing in the, in the gospel of, of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, we, we've listened to somebody else tell us about it, explain it to us, and we believe them sometimes instead of believing what the scriptures say. Listen, if we'll look at Jesus 
based on Jesus and what Jesus did. We will get the revelation of Jesus, what he did, what he said, how he did it, why he did the things he did. Why Why did he mix mud and put it on a blind man, man's eyes? Why did, did he spit on his fingers and put them in the ears of a, a deaf person? Why did he do it this way one way and then this way another way? Well, there, there's, there's, there's a message in all of that to show us God the Father. And Jesus is revealing to us who the Father is. Jesus is not acting as a free agent. Jesus is acting as, as, as God the Father. He, he's, he's acting as God in the flesh. And he's given us an education into the culture of heaven. How many of you remember what the definition of culture is? Earlier in this series, we defined culture as a way of life, a way of living. And Jesus came to reveal to us God's way of living, the culture of heaven. That's why Jesus taught his disciples, his followers, to pray a particular way. He said in Matthew 6.10, he says, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray this way, when we model this prayer, what we're doing is we're obeying Jesus and we're praying that the culture of heaven would become the culture of earth. We're, we're bringing heaven to earth in whatever situation we're praying for. I believe we ought to pray uh, a great deal right now about this COVID-19 epidemic, this pandemic. I believe we ought to bring the culture of heaven to earth in our families, and to our communities, and not just in our communities, and our state, and our nation, but the world. And the way we do that is we cry out to God, God, there, there, there's no COVID-19 in heaven. So Lord, we're praying right now in Jesus' name that you bind this virus and destroy this virus and set people free from this plague. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Now, I know there are those that would argue, well, this is the will of God, that blah, 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 blah. Listen, there's no COVID-19 in heaven. So I know it's not the will of God. And so when we pray your kingdom come, we're asking, Lord, send to, to earth what is already in heaven. Jesus has given us the ability to bind those things on this earth that are already bound in heaven. And he's given us the ability to loose those things that are in heaven, uh, that are already loosed in heaven on earth right now. So we need to begin to bind and we begin to loose. We need to loose peace and healing and grace and mercy. And we need to bind disease. And we need to bind the work of the enemy. I happen to believe that, uh, that sickness is, is the work of Satan. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if we believe that way, then we need to act that way. We need to live that out, not just talk about it. Listen, I can talk about a lot of things, but if I don't act it out and I don't live it out, I don't believe it. And it's time for the church to put up or to shut up. It's time for us to stand up and declare what we believe. And it's time for us to walk it out. And so that's what Jesus was doing. He was showing us what heaven looks like. What heaven looks like when it confronts disease. What heaven looks like when it co confronts uh, uh, the demonic. What heaven looks like when it, when it confronts death. All of those things Jesus showed us. What heaven looks like when, blind, when the blind uh, show up. When the deaf show up. Jesus is showing us those things. 
He's teaching us what a citizen of heaven looks like because they keep the covenant of heaven. They keep the, 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 the understanding. Uh, it's part of their citizenship. And so Jesus teaches us. And we, when we pray this way, what happens is God will transform his way of life. He will take his way of life and transform our lives by it. And all of a sudden, we will begin to walk in, in the kingdom of heaven. We will begin to walk into attributes of heaven, even while we're here on this earth. Listen, Jesus died on the cross to give us eternal life and abundant life. Both of those things are true, but that's not by and by in the sky when we die. That's now. You begin to live eternally the moment you were born again. And you were supposed to begin to live abundantly the moment you were born again. Abundant living happens when your thinking is transformed and when your thinking changes, when you begin to think like God thinks. I, I, I was reading this week, over and over and over, you see in Scripture, God says nothing is impossible with God. Did you realize that for a believer, nothing is impossible as well? That's exactly what Jesus taught when he, when he, when he was talking about the, the fig tree and he was talking about the mountain. He said, if you have a little faith and you say, be removed from here, that mountain will be removed. Jesus goes on to say, for nothing is impossible. Listen, we need to learn to pray. We need to begin to put these things into life. We need to get these things in us and believe them so that we can transform the culture around us. Jesus is God in the flesh. He is perfect theology. When we look at Jesus, we are looking at God. He's God's way of life. And listen, if, if he lives in me and, if, and you and, and we claim to be saved, then then. God's way of life lives within us. But I'm afraid some of us are just holding Jesus hostage on the inside instead of letting the spirit of Jesus out of us to do what he wants to do. I'm afraid some of us are holding on to, to what we have like, like it's a free ticket to heaven. And listen, if you know Jesus this morning, you don't have to worry about heaven. God's taking care of that. But you need to let Jesus out. You need to let Jesus manifest himself through you in every aspect of your life. And he will if you will allow that. We carry the kingdom of God in us because we carry the king in us. We carry the spirit of the king. The Holy Spirit lives within us. And so when, and the scripture says when we abide, that's the word Jesus uses, when we, we pitch our tent with him and live in him. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. John 15, 4. When we do that, we are experiencing a foretaste of heaven right now because God is heaven. God's in heaven. Heaven is, is the full discovery of the manifest presence of God. One of these days, we will we will stand before the King of Kings and we will see him as he is in his full glory. Right now, we manifest his presence in us. It's an invitation literally into God. That's what he means when he says, abide in me and, and I in you. 
It's so much more, listen to me, it's so much more than a place to go. It's, it's a person in whom we have life. And we have not, not our life, we have his life. We have his culture in us. But if I don't grasp the operating system, if I don't understand the, the language of the kingdom and I don't understand what's required of a citizen of the kingdom, if I, don't, if I don't get the programming language of heaven, what Jesus means, what Jesus is saying, then you know what's going to happen? I'm not going to have anything to share with anybody. I'm not going to be able to tell them why they need Jesus. Listen, God's way of life, God's way of doing things was displayed and demonstrated by Jesus. And if I don't, ha if I don't do it that, that way, then the best I can hope for is to hunt and peck. How many of you hunt and peck on your computer? That's what I do. I hunt and peck. It's, 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 it's try and fail, try and fail, try and find something that works. Well, many of us are living our, our, our Christian lives hunting and pecking. Therefore, you and I need to get to know Jesus far better than most of us do. Jesus didn't come to simply die for our sins so that you and I could do whatever we like and have a vacation home in eternity. He came to show you and I the life of God and to die on a cross so that your sins could be fully paid for so that you could fully enjoy the life of God in a relationship with the Father. Let me say that again. Jesus didn't just come to die for your sins so that you could do whatever you wanted. No, he came to show you the life of God and then die on a cross so that you and I could have our sins paid for so that we could fully enter into that life, so that we could fully enjoy that life, and so that we could do it in a relationship with God. And through that relationship with God, day by day, we learn to think, and we learn to act like God acts. Listen, every one of us has an opportunity to enjoy heaven through our personal relationship with Jesus Christ if our present address, even if our present address is, is hell on this earth, we can enjoy heaven moment by moment. Remember, heaven's more than a place. It's Jesus. And as I get to know him, then what happens is I become more like him. As you get to know him, you become more like him. Most of us know who Jesus is. That is, as, as I'm speaking to some of you, you've had a life-changing moment of introduction to Jesus. You've been born again. And I'm not questioning that. I never want to question things like that. I, I don't think that's, that's a wise thing. The Holy Spirit is the one that will question if that question needs to be asked. So I, I never want to preach or teach anything that causes people to question. But I do, I, I do mean by this is that even you know Christ, even knowing Christ, our problem is that most of us really don't know him. By that I mean we don't really, we've not experienced him very much. Our experience of him is very shallow. In other words, we've met him as Savior and Lord, but we've not grown. We've not deepened our relationship. We've not even, we've not even experienced a, a, a micro-fractional amount of our relationship with him. So we don't know what. 
We don't know how. We don't know why he thinks the way he thinks. We know a lot about him. We know facts and figures, but we've missed the why he did it this way. Why did he say that in that situation? Why did this happen this way? Why did that happen that way? Uh, what was the reason he did this, and why was he? What was he thinking about? We've what we've done is we've boiled down all this 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 teaching that he gives in the gospels. We've boiled it down uh, instead of, of of looking at it as this is how a kingdom citizen lives, and this is how a person who follows me will walk, and this will this will will manif this will manifest in their lives. This will be illustrative in their lives. This will be descriptive of their lives. What I'm doing, they will do, and they will do even greater things. Now, those are the word of Jesus in John 14. The reason that we're not seeing those things happen is, is because we boiled it down into a thousand and one ways to be saved instead of learning how a kingdom citizen is to live and how a kingdom citizen is to act and how they, in doing so, are able to imitate and mirror the king. We've made everything Jesus taught about being born again. And Jesus teaches a great deal about being born again, but when he heals somebody, he's showing us what life in heaven's like. He's showing us what the kingdom is. When Jesus begins to teach in the Sermon on the Mount, he's showing us the, the attributes and the characteristics of a genuine kingdom citizen, a genuine dis disciple of Jesus. What happened is we've denied the need for healing. We've denied the, the need many ways uh, for miracles. We've denied uh, the need for deliverance. We've denied spiritual gifts. This one doesn't exist. This one does exist. And a hundred other essential things that Jesus delivered to us. He taught and he demonstrated for us over and over in the Gospels. And we've, we have this mindset that we somehow know better than Jesus. And we know how to reach the world. We know how to conquer the enemy. We know how to plant the flag of God, uh, our king. We know how to transform culture into the culture of the kingdom in preparation for the king's return. The problem is, though, we don't because we're not obeying Jesus. We're not doing what Jesus did. Too many believers are hunkered down in their little holy bunkers with their faces in the dirt play, praying for God to come back and rescue them. And listen to me, I can say this confidently. That is not going to happen because the return of Christ is not a rescue mission. The return of Christ is the bridegroom coming for the bride. There's going to be a wedding. We're going to be united with our, our bridegroom. He's not coming to rescue his bride. He's coming to go with his bride, to take her to where he is. So it's time we, we, we got our face out of the dirt, and we, we opened our bunker doors and came back out into the sunlight, back out into the world that he's placed us in and planted us in, and it's time we got about doing what he's called us to do changing the culture of this earth into the culture of heaven so that when he returns, it will be just like the place he came from. Now listen, God's not the problem. God's not the problem. We are the problem. We don't really know Jesus as well as we think we do. And therefore, we don't understand what are some very simple teachings in Scripture. 
We, we, we've taken the simple truths of God and we've taken the simple truths of his kingdom and we've kind of obscured them, not kind of, we have obscured them with the fog of personal, denominational, and demonic interpretation. We, we've taken just the plain truth of scripture in context, the very words that fell from the Lord's mouth, the, 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 the very out of the very context of truth in the canon of Scripture. And what we've done is we've sliced it and we've diced it and we've twisted it right and we've twisted it left, back and forth. We've cut it up. We've cut it out. We've added a cup full of unbelief and a gallon of lack of experience. And we've come up with a recipe for endless belief systems that cannot transform anything, much less our culture. Listen, if I want to know what the culture of heaven is like, I have to know what God is like. That's just the bottom line. If I want to know what God is like, all I have to do is look at Jesus, whom God sent to show us who he was in no uncertain terms. We must hear what Jesus says. We must pay attention to what Jesus does. We must grasp the compassion of Jesus, the sorrow of Jesus, the anger of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the joy of Jesus, the focus of Jesus. And when I do that, I will see God. For the next several weeks, we're going to begin to look at that. We're going to begin to look at the teachings of Jesus. And when Jesus says, such is the kingdom of God, we're going to learn why he's teaching that in light of the kingdom of God. When, when he goes to the, and, and gives probably the longest uh, volume of teaching in Matthew, we find it in Matthew, we also find it in Luke, called the Sermon on the Mount. There's a reason Jesus taught that. Because he wanted us to understand what heaven is like, what the place where God is and who God is. He wanted us to know what that was like. And so he gave us that. One of Jesus' disciples, on the night that Jesus would be arrested and the next day he would be crucified, uh, Jesus is, is teaching them and he's talking them to them and he says to them he, he says I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except by me and he got really quiet and and one of his apostles one of his his disciples Philip he voices the question that all the other disciples wanted to voice but were afraid to he says show us the father and it'll be enough Lord listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 14 verse 9 through 12. He says, Have I been so long with you, and you have not yet come to know me, Philip? In other words, Philip, I've been with you three and a half years, and you don't really know who I am, do you? He who has sent me has seen, he who has seen me has seen the Father. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you've seen me, they saw him. They interacted with him every day. They ate together. They traveled together. At night, they camped out around the same uh, fire. Uh, they did everything together. They prayed together. They healed the sick together. They ministered together. They, 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 they were tired together. Jesus is saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So how do you say, Philip, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own initiative. 
but the Father abiding in me does his words. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Otherwise, believe on account on the account of the works themselves. And then in, in, in John 14, 12, he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, he who trusts me, he who puts his faith in me, he who believes I am what I say I am, that I do what I say I do, the works that I do, the body of work, everything that Jesus did, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. There are too many of us that name the name of Christ today. We, we could put our place, our name, in Philip's place, and we could have, we would, we're asking the same question. Show us the Father, Jesus, and, and that'll be enough. And Jesus is saying, I'm showing you the Father. I am God. Look at me. Listen, the reality of heaven's culture is Jesus. If you and I desire to fulfill our mandate, our destiny, uh, the very thing that, that God has redeemed us for, then, then we've got to begin to learn to imitate the life of Jesus through everything we say and do. That's one of the main reasons that God redeemed us. That's what makes you and I a disciple of Jesus. If you don't look and you don't act like your teacher, then guess what? You are not a disciple. Disciples carry the culture of their master and they plant seeds in the soil of the places they navigate every day. Day by day, what happens is the culture of that place is changed into the culture of the kingdom of Jesus as that disciple disciples. But for that to happen, we have to know what the kingdom of heaven is like. And Jesus spent three and a half years teaching and preaching and healing and delivering and doing other miraculous things to demonstrate beyond a shadow of a doubt what God and his kingdom look like. And the reality of it is, all we have to do is embrace it. All we have to do is internalize it and begin to walk it out. And if we will do that, God will do the rest. This morning, I want to I challenge you. I want to challenge you to begin to read the Gospels without blinders on. With, don't read it through the context of what someone else has told you. Read it as though you were reading it the first time. Read it as though you were listening to a master teacher, which you are. Teach you what is and what's not. Don't try to explain it away. Just accept it. And if you'll do that, what will happen is you'll embrace it. And what will happen is it will become internalized and you will, it will begin to change you. It will begin to change the way you think. It will begin to change the way you act. It will change everything that you do. And when that happens, God will begin to move in you and in me. Now this morning, I want to I invite... Uh, uh, you to respond. I, 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 the, a challenge always uh, brings a response. And so this morning, I want to uh, I want to challenge those of you that are believers to just simply look at what Jesus did. Read what Jesus says. Begin to try to understand what Jesus was talking about. It, it's not rocket science, okay? 
It's not simplistic, but it's very simple. Jesus puts it in words and in stories that all of us can understand. Get you a Bible. Get you a translation that you can understand and read it. Begin to pour into yourself the truth of Scripture. If you'll do that, what will happen is, is, is you'll start to understand. You'll go, wow, I didn't see that. Wow, wow, wow. And all of a sudden, you'll, you'll begin to understand what the master was doing. He was making disciples. He was making carbon copies. It's interesting. Uh, 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 the uh, Believers were first called Christians in Antioch of Syria. Uh, they were called Christians by the pagans. They did it as a way of making fun of the members of the, of the, of the way, the church of Jesus Christ. They called them Christians, and that word Christians means little Christs. What Jesus was doing in, in disciple-making is he was making little Christ. He was multiplying himself into the lives of, of, of men and women, and that is what we're still supposed to be doing. And as you become like Christ, you go out and you share what Christ has taught you, it multiplies. It continues to multiply. It continues to multiply. So I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you to go after God. I want to challenge you to, to not believe what you've been told unless Jesus says it. I know that's a challenge that's uncomfortable for some people, but listen, I'm telling you, Scripture says that the promises of God are for us. And those things have been revealed, have been revealed to us. And they, and, they, and they are for us and for our children and our children's children. And it's time we took what was ours and we used it for the glory of God. And I also want to, I want to just challenge you this morning. Maybe you've tuned in and, and for some reason you've stayed. I believe that reason was the Holy Spirit. I believe the, the Holy Spirit this morning wants you to understand that God loves you. God has loved you since the moment you came to life. That from the moment you were born, God has loved you. And he loves you with a love that is beyond your comprehension. He, he, he will meet every need that you have. I know many of you this morning uh, are, are, are concerned and upset and, and I would say even fearful. God wants to take that fear away. Scripture says that he's not given his children a spirit of fear. He's given us power. He's given us love, and he's given us a sound mind. That doesn't mean that we're not to be careful. We are to be careful, and we're to be wise, and, and we're to be concerned. There's a difference between being fearful and being concerned. We're to be concerned. We're to, we're to try to, to prevent the spread of this and do everything in our, 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 uh, our, our way of doing to keep it from, from spreading, but we also have to, to walk in faith in Jesus Christ. And you say, well, you know what? I, I've never placed my faith in Jesus Christ. Well, listen, I, wanna, I just want to share with you very simply right now. God loves you. And he sent Jesus to pay for your sins. All of us were sinners. All of us have sinned. We've broken the laws of God. And because of that, all of us deserved hell. But God sent his son Jesus to save us to rescue us. And Jesus did that by dying on a cross. He paid for my sins. He paid for your sins. He paid for the sins of the world, Scripture says. And if you'll just stop right where you are and you'll place your faith in Jesus Christ right now at this moment, if you'll just trust him, just trust him. Lord, I surrender. I throw my hands up. I give up. 
You just trust him. Believe that he died for your sins. Scripture says he was, he was crucified on a cross and he was buried. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead, signifying that he accepted the payment of Jesus for our sins. And so your sins and my sins have been paid for. And Jesus says, put your faith in him. Rest on him. And he will take your sins away. He'll forgive your sins. And he'll give you a new life. He'll give you eternal life. And he'll give you abundant life. It's that simple. If that's you this morning, I, I want to pray with you. And then I'm going to pray for uh, everyone else and, and make a statement or two. And we're done this morning. Lord Jesus, I just pray for uh, this young man, this young lady, this older man, this older lady, this child, little boy, little girl that's watching by Facebook Live. Lord, they, they've heard the gospel and your spirit is working right now in their life. I just pray for them. I pray that they would receive Jesus Christ into their life. If that's you and you would, you would like to receive Jesus, I want to pray for you. I want you to, to pray these words after me. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I confess my sins and I believe in my heart that Jesus is who he says he is. I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me and to give me eternal life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for doing that. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, I want to thank you this morning for joining with us. Uh, next Sunday is, is Easter, and we have some plans in the work uh, that I hope will bless you. And this week, as, as you're going about your, your business, as you're, uh, you're sheltering at home, that's where uh, most everyone is, I want to encourage you to pray. Pray for our nation. Pray for our world. Pray for our medical personnel. Uh, stand in the gap and call, ask God to, 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 to send uh, relief, to send healing in Jesus' name. And I want you to, I want you to pray for one another and, and call somebody, contact somebody, check on them, and let Jesus work through you. God bless you. And goodbye. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.